Tervist, minu nimi on Aleksander Eeri Laupma ja vaatate fotograafiska jutusid. Minu tänane külaline eesti keelt taaskord ei ole selgeks õppinud, nii et ma vahetan kohe inglise keeleni, aga minu külaline täna on Ellen K. Willas. Ellen, welcome to Fotograafiska. Hello, thank you. It's very nice that you're here. You are a curator, you are a gallerist and you are working with many of the artists that we have at Fotograafiske Tallinn and I'm sure we'll get to a few of them, but I thought uh, it would be good to start with uh, somebody that we haven't had at uh, Fotografiska Tallinn. But uh, would you be willing to tell me how did you meet, uh, and correct me if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, how did you meet uh, Lene Maria Fossen and, uh, oh. and who is she? Well, that was a surprising opening question. Um, Leanne Marie Fossen, uh, she, um, I worked with her for some years. Uh, she was a very, very talented photographer, artist, um, and she devoted herself mainly to the self-portrait. Uh, and um, it was, uh, yeah. She, she died um, actually before we could publish her book and she, uh, she was never able to see the exhibition herself because she, she was suffering from anorexia. Uh, Jesus, that was... Um, but she felt and, and her family felt that it, it was an important work and it had to be shown. Uh, and we all know that there's so many people suffering from eating disorders all around the world. So I felt it was my obligation to, to, uh, to fulfill her, her last wish. Uh, how yeah. did you find her? She found me. Um, she came to my gallery. I used to have a gallery in Oslo and she, she uh, came with her to show her prints and uh, she wanted an exhibition. And were you sold at first sight? Uh, no, um, they were obviously very, very powerf powerful uh, works, um, and, but she, she, uh, she wasn't quite ready yet. So we worked together two and a half, three years uh, before, uh, before she died with uh, uh, giving more, uh, giving feedback uh, and, uh, you know, um, making a, a strong portfolio of her work. Yeah. What, uh, what is it for you that uh, touches you about uh, an artist or about, uh, about a photograph? Uh, we had a very nice discussion about this last night at Fotografiska. It's, um, it always involves beauty in one way or another. It's like we were talking about it last night. You, you, you open the door with the beauty and then you, 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 you're ready to, to tell your story. But you, you, need, you need a door opener. And for me, it often is beauty. Um, I really like works that have a sense of timelessness in them, uh, where you can't say, oh, that's taken in the 90s. Uh, but it's more, the time uh, is not so important. Um, yeah, those two th things are the main uh, main uh, qualities. 
but with somebody like Glenn Maria Foss and what would you say like the main main thing that it is that we see on her uh, photographs is it because because it is beautiful in a certain kind of way, but it's very it's very morbid at the same time. It is very Absolutely. it's so close to the bone, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it's uh, if you if you see something like that, it's um, well, it it doesn't make you feel easy for for certain. It's very very powerful. It's very mm. it's very visceral. Mm. And uh, is that is that what you're what you're looking for, or is it sometimes something more? subtle that uh, perhaps works that you can look for a long time before you start even seeing something in mm. them absolutely it's it's both it uh, it depends with Lena maria uh, um, of course self-portraits of a person who's suffering badly from anorexia it's not going to be easy to look at but still she has she's able to she was able to to capture it with some sort of beauty by uh, choosing, uh, she had daylight always. It was uh, a dreamlike uh, setting. She 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 was uh, shooting in in Chios in Greece. Uh, she found an old uh, lepra hospital uh, where she was uh, working, and and all this you know the, the scenery made made it dreamlike. Um, but. You know, like Helena Schmitz, another artist that I'm working with that also was at Fotografiska in Tallinn. She does these beautiful landscape photographs that are, at first eyesight, they are very, very beautiful. And then uh, when you look closer, you see some traces of uh, human uh, interaction with, uh, with the nature. And that's, that has a nerve. It's like... Uh, how do you say? Like um, gives gives the work uh, a sense of uh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's something. It's not just a beautiful landscape. Mm. It's something else. Mm. And, uh, and similar with uh, with Lena Maria Fossen as well. It's mm. it's something that is very very beautifully done, but you see something that is that makes you feel uneasy mm. because obviously as humans we are very. Uh, adapted to seeing disease, we're very adapted to seeing illness. If there is somebody yeah. has something wrong with them, we notice it immediately. And uh, she said something very beautiful, uh, Lene, that when she was a child, she wanted to stop time, which is mm. so strange. Yeah. It's so yeah. it's like it, it feels so deep. Like if somebody yeah. says, especially if it's somebody like her, when she says that, you're like, wow, this is. And then she stopped eating mm. because she wanted to mm. stay a child. Mm. And then as an adult, she could she started taking photos, which is a way of actually stopping time. Exactly. And you have these this amazing moments. And it's so strange. Like th what I'm going to say now, it's, it's, it isn't even a question. I'm just I'm just like pondering that the photography is so different than painting because painting is uh, even though you can you can paint like a certain scene or a certain person in a certain time, there is still something like something dreamlike or or not not so tangible. Not, yeah, exactly. Mm. But with photographs, it's like poof, even if you make it very artsy, mm. it's still something like that. Mm. And it's uh, and in essence, every photograph is like trying to stop time, mm. right? Mm. Even if it's showing to something uh, mm. something different. Is there is that something that is uh, 
appealing in photographs to you? Because I, I don't know that you, photographs are your like main uh, uh, main interest, mm. right? Mm. You don't you don't deal in paintings or, or anything like that. Not so. Have much. you ever tried to um, like verbalize for yourself why it is? Why do you find them so uh, so appealing? I think I've been working with photography since how long is it? Twenty years, yeah. And <clears throat> I think that the, the main reason why I'm so attracted to the medium and as such is it has this directness as you were, uh, it, it speaks to everybody. It's very uh, democratic. Everyone can, everyone has a camera all the time. Um, and it, it's, I think that's the main, uh, main reason. It doesn't, you don't need a long uh, text to understand. Sometimes it can help with a long text because uh, there's things that you don't see immediately or, but, uh, but I like the directness the, and the honesty that I find in photography. Yeah, and if it yeah. touches you, it touches you. You don't. It's it's like yeah. a like a very good taste. Like if you taste a meal that you really like, nobody has to explain it to you because mm -hmm. if you love it, then you just love yeah. it. But yeah. the, but if somebody would explain, you might love it even more because you would get the context and all the different ingredients and so yeah. on. Um, somebody else that we had here recently and that we have at Fotografiska at the moment uh, is Arno Rafael Minkinen, mm -hmm. and when I saw his works and when I saw Lene Maria Fossen's work works, I uh, felt something very similar, which is that they both struggled with their appearances mm -hmm. from a very early age. Mm -hmm. And when I look at their works, even though they're very, very different, they both have these uh, slender and slim bodies mm -hmm. that obviously they look very, on photographs, it's a certain body, body type that is very appealing is not the right word, but it works mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. and. Uh, and I felt with both of them that in some way, uh, and maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, they were like trying to see them ch uh, see themselves as just like a part of part of what is part of nature, part of yeah. part of whatever. And uh, but you can do it in so like in so uh, so different uh, different ways. What do you think about that? I'm not sure if I got uh, the question in, in there. Uh, what, do, what do you think well, about it? Uh, no, it's mm. the, the, the fact that the way that they both do photographs uh, is photographing themselves in some scenery. Mm. And it almost feels like behind that is a wish to just see themselves as a part of nature, even mm. though they were always like weird in some way, strange in some way, mm. not fitting mm. in some mm. way and then they're trying to fit themselves. Oh, that's an interesting uh, take on it, yeah. At least with Arno, that's, that is the case. And also with Glenna Maria Fossen to a certain degree, because as I told you, this lepra hospital, it's, it, it's also a metaphor, you know. This was where they treated uh, people who had lepra in, in the old days, and it's run down and it's almost falling apart. But she chose that as her backdrop uh, because she saw anorexia as, as today's um, plague or whatever you want to call it. Um, and she also tries to fit in, in a way. It's also interesting because Arno, he wrote a text for Lena Maria 
and we mm. were discussing dreams earlier before we started and and he had a dream in his text he's uh, he's writing about this dream that he's driving acro uh, across uh, the countryside and he passes the morgue and yeah it's it's a beautiful story you and wrote for lena maria yeah 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 Oh really? We wow. made a book. Yeah. I did not Beautiful know that. Beautiful book. Yeah. So that's in the bo book, Elena Maria's book. You have a writing by Arno. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. I did not know that. Send that's, you one. That's very good to know. <laughs> wow. Um, what uh, do you remember as a child, uh, like art that you were first touched by, or things that grabbed you? And does it have anything to do with what you're doing now, or is it completely different? It's completely different. But uh, I remember we had. We weren't, I grew up with, my parents were teachers, we, we uh, traveled, uh, they were very adventurous. So I lived in, in Zambia for a few years and uh, in France and on the west coast of Norway and yeah, <coughs> traveling a lot. And we only had like cheap reproductions, but it was Picasso and uh, you know, the real uh, artists, but, but uh, reproductions. So I really didn't have any connection with art as I was young. That came much, much later, yeah. And uh, somebody like okay. Arnold Raphael, uh, he has made same photos, basically, the same idea, the same, same spirit for 50 years, more mm. than 50 years now. And, uh, and also you have, you worked with somebody like Vincent Peters, uh, also such a beautiful, amazing mm. human mm. being who for, uh, for more than 20 years is uh, photographed in very similar way. Again, try, always trying to like find something again and again and again. And I remember there is this, uh, uh, have you seen the documentary of uh, Sebastião Salgado, Salt of the Earth? Mm, it's of course. such a beautiful documentary, yeah, yeah. right? And in it, he says that, uh, he remembers being six years old in his, uh, on his parents' property mm. in the, it's the Atlantic rainforest just underneath the Amazon rainforest. And he remembers as a six-year-old, like seeing a certain kind of uh, sunlight coming through three branches. Mm. And uh, he said that every photo he has ever taken, basically, he has tried to recreate that feeling, mm. even though he's photographed so many different uh, things right mm. but there is always this like trying to find that some some innocence or some yeah. beauty from from far far away some yeah. nostalgia and uh, and it's very similar i feel like it's similar with vincent peters and it's very similar with uh with arno rafael minkinen mm -hmm. that they might not even know what, what it is mm. but uh but sometimes and with vincent peters he he says like right it's uh, all the all the films he went to see mm. with his dad and the connection that mm. he has through that but it's uh but it's that, and then you have other artists like uh, like you have Nick Brandt, uh, who we have in the house right now as well, and uh, and it's so different because the early works you look at them and you have this similar feeling that the portraits of the animals it's just like trying to see this raw beauty and mm. this uh, just the majestic uh, nature, and then. He's been moving on and moving on and moving on more to like showing problems mm. in the world. Mm. Uh, when you're working with, with, with an artist who is going through that journey, it, like what is it like for you? And do you always like cheer them on or sometimes are you like, no, 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 what are you doing? Um, both. <laughs> it's, uh, it's super 
fascinating. Like with Nick Brandt, I've known him for many years and followed his work. And we, we did exhibitions in Oslo together. I recently uh, finished an exhibition of his latest work in Oslo, uh, The Day May Break. And when I was at Fotografiska yesterday, uh, looking at his ex exhibition there, it's, it's like this amazing narrative of his journey from from these beautiful, beautiful animal portraits. And, and you can say that there's a lot of people photographing wild animals and there's kind of an inflation in it. But in my opinion, there's no one who's ever done it like Nick Brandt because these are portraits. He's capturing the soul of the, these animals in a way that I haven't seen anyone else manage to do as good yet. Um, so you have that as a starting point, and then it evolves because he's 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 obviously uh, registering what's going on. How many is it? Like forty percent of of the number of species has dropped since my lifetime. It's crazy to think about that. <clears throat> and then in the exhibition, back to that, uh, you see. There's one corner where, where you have the animal portraits and you have uh, the petrified animals. And it's like, this is his journey. Uh, you go through and you see inherit the dust and you see, you see uh, these panels that he put up. Um, I hope we can show some of them in, in, uh, later. Uh, there's one with, um, it's called, let's see called Underpass with Elephants, and the subtitle is Lean Back, Your Life is on Track. So you were talking about Nick Brandt's work, the Underpass with, uh, with Elephants, and uh, there, it's, it's a very, very touching photo. And at first, like I went by it many, many, many times, and uh, then I started thinking about the fact that it has, it has a city in Africa, and it has like, I don't know, 30 or 40 homeless people who are living under, underneath it. And then it has uh, this uh, child, small child, looking at the photo of the elephants, and next to it you have all the, all the homeless people. And, uh, and Nick said about it that, uh, that he wanted to have like the uh, past of Africa, the present of mm. Africa and then the future of Africa in the same photo. And it's very beautiful, it's very touching. But when I was looking at it again and again, I started uh, also feeling like uh, that even though we think of those people uh, who are living in Africa, when we think about them, we think like, oh, these are the people who live in the same place where those wild animals live, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but if you're second generation or third generation, somebody who's living in a city, then it's highly, highly likely that you might never have seen an elephant in your life before. And then you have this massive print of elephants next to them. Mm. And I thought, wait a minute, this might be the first time in their lives that they've ever seen uh, an elephant. And even though we think of them as the people who live together with them, we in our Western world might actually have been like ha having a lot more connections with those animals, seeing documentaries, mm. seeing them in the zoo, feeding them, whatever. And for those people, it's like, mm. what is this animal? I'm seeing it for the first time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it m messes a bit with our uh, preconceived uh, thoughts. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And that's, uh, that's the beauty of, of Nick Brown's work, I think. And um, I know th this exact picture, it was bought by a Norwegian collector who placed it in a boardroom in his offices. And uh, he told, they told me that this actually affects the conversations in that room. So here they are sitting, taking, making decisions on behalf of a large company and they have that on the wall and it makes them maybe think about things in a different way than they would if mm. it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I, I like that idea. How do you see from the side or as somebody who is working with the artist, their journey uh, mm -hmm. take a very yeah sharp turn not or maybe you know actually it hasn't been a sharp turn because it has been like step by step just slowly gradually going from one place to another mm. when you see something like that from the side how does uh, how does that make you feel or uh, and if you see it do you sometimes feel like Ooh, don't go there uh yes and then it's hard to not uh, be very blunt and and, uh, and do that and and i think that um, it's 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 such an important part of the process of the artist to, do, to go into those uh, small loopholes or do these um, projects that maybe don't succeed, but, but they, in the end, like when I look at Nick Brandt's work now, the work we presented in, in Oslo, The Day May Break, maybe it would never have been as good I would say perfect, but as good as it is, without some of these other works on the, uh, on the, it's part of the process and it's, uh, it's a learning curve and uh, maybe it needs to yeah. be part of it. Yes, I think it's very similar like with musicians and especially with very good yes. musicians. They always have albums where people are like, why are you doing mm. this? What is this strange mm. sound? Mm. What are you trying? Mm. And it's like, if you just look at it as a single thing, it might just feel weird. But it's again, it's something like they have to get it out of their system or they're like working through something and then they get to something yeah. m much more beautiful or uh, much more wholesome. But exactly as you said, mm. like you need that step in mm. between to mm. get to mm. that other place. Mm. It's like life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Many of the artists that you're working with, they, they work with, uh, again, with some very heavy subjects. And um, like there is this very famous photo that most people have heard about, which is uh, the photograph taken in Africa of a vulture that is approaching this mm. uh, starving child. child. Mm. And uh, the photograph, uh, he later took his life, mm. uh, right? And uh, it's very often that uh, if you're like working with, uh, or if you just see a lot of suffering around you, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult for us, right? Mm. And it almost like the more heavy the work is, the more you need like a counterbalance or a counterweight that mm. would like give, give your life some positivity. And uh, with somebody like James Nathway, for mm -hmm. example, he feels like uh, he's obviously been, like he's seen so much pain, so mm. much, horrible, horrible things. And uh, that is more than most people could take, I think. But when I see him as a, as a human being, he feels like somebody who is very, he's been able to process it in mm -hmm. as, as healthy as a way as, as possible. Uh, 
And uh, how, how, like when you you're working with artists like that, how do you uh, balance that? How do you like uh, find that light when you're working with mm -hmm. something that is so dark? Let's let's uh, use Nick Brandt as an example again, um, because uh, since it's uh, up at Fotografiska right now, people can go and see it. Um, you will find there's hope in in all of these images when you look closely, like the one we were discussing with the uh, with uh, underpass with elephants, where the two children represent, for, at least for me, hope. It's maybe a cliche, but but still, it's the way that they interact with the animals that are just on a photo in front of them, it tells us that this is the way that the children uh, are our future. Um, and and uh, also with, with the latest work, it's the same. Uh, he portrays for the first time animals and humans in the same frame <laughs> at the same time. and uh, and. There are the children here who are confronting the viewer um, and taking charge. And, and now, while we're in the middle of these uh, climate uh, discussions, uh, it's maybe the, this is the answer to 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 solve the problems and to do to make a difference. Um, yeah. When you're finding artists to work with, you. Are you looking for them to have a message of some kind of another, or does it just have to touch you? And maybe it, it can be like touching in an abstract way, or, or mm. in a way that we can't like put our finger on. Yeah, it, it's it's both. I, I really uh, f um, like. I don't like. I, I prefer to work with artists who who have a mission, who are on, who want to inspire a more conscious world, as the, as the slogan of Fotografiska. This, is, uh, this ma makes me feel like I'm doing something that has a purpose. Um, and that it's important. Um, but like with, um, and, and for instance, with Arno's work, you could say, uh, this artist has been taking self-portraits in nature for an urban landscapes for 50 years. Where's the message? But there is a mes message there about nature and taking care of uh, the environment. And he's also a very, very uh, socially conscious uh, human being. Uh, so, so, so it's a more subtle message, but it's still, it's there, you know. And uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, tell me a story about the time when a photograph really inspired you. Or when, a, or, or when an artist's work actually made you change your actions or perceptions? Do you want me to tell the story when I ended up eating porridge for two months after buying a photograph? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, this, is, uh, this was Paris Photo. We go there every year. And uh, this was, I'm not sure, maybe 2012 or something. And uh, we went to a gallery, and uh, they were showing Jeffrey Silverthorne, an American artist. Do you know him? Mm, perhaps. Yeah. I can't say. He's, he's not very well known here, in, at least not in Scandinavia. But, um, <clears throat> and he did a, a series of work from the morgue. 
in, uh, in I think it was around Texas area in 1972. So he was allowed in uh, and he photographed uh, people who, who were not, no longer alive. And there was especially one photograph of a woman who died in her, sl uh, in her sleep. And maybe we, I can send it to you so you can show it. But it's, it's uh, an image of a woman who is, has had an autopsy. So she's clearly dead. Uh, but her face and her pose are so graceful and beautiful. It's just so many things in that photograph. And for me, it's, I have it uh, in my office and I look at it every day and it's a, a kind of a reminder of not to sleep through life. Mm. Yeah. So, but why did it ma make you eat porridge for two Because months? I got, uh, he had an uh, edition of 25. I think I got the number 24. So it was quite expensive and I couldn't afford it. I oh, had to, wow. Yeah. That's so, very cool. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah. And what, uh, what was the name of the artist again? <coughs> Jeffrey Silverthorne. Okay. Mm. Wow, I did not expect that. And the funny thing was when we, well, I went there uh, not to buy a print, but I went there to buy his books because I heard of this guy. And then uh, the gallerist, he asks us, would you like him to sign the books? And I was always, uh, I, I didn't know that he was still alive. So I got all my books signed by this guy. He's a very interesting photographer. Wow, also. because for yeah. a moment when you said that the lady, uh, <coughs> she had an autopsy uh, and she had died and you had mentioned eating porridge before, I thought like that you would <laughs> see like everything that she had eaten and she hadn't no. digested it or something like that. And that you know, like, uh, yeah. That's, that went to a very, very different, <laughs> different place. Now I'm grateful for that. For that. <laughs> you, you said before, you talked about the elephant, uh, the underpass with the elephants mm. uh, that a company bought. And this is, again, something like when I was um, looking at Nick Brandt's works, and many of them have the intention of making you feel uneasy. Mm. And I thought, like with so many of them, nobody would like to have them like in their living room but i thought i thought and it was a sick idea but like that the, a very good purpose that they could serve would be to give them to uh, children of very rich parents mm. who are not grateful enough yeah and to actually like put it next to their eating table or <laughs> dining table and every time again like yeah. because just like you said like if you have something like that next to you that reminds you of things that mm. are actually going on in the world mm. It's, it's so much easier to just let some things go and uh, like reorient yourself yeah. in a more meaningful way because you have this reminder like, oh, there is actually things that, that matter a lot more. And for example, when we had the uh, James Nutway uh, uh, exhibition Memoria, uh, I think it was late 2019 and early 2020. It feels ages ago, even mm. though it was it's mm. actually just last year, <laughs> but it feels ages ago. But when we had that, and I, every time I would take somebody to see the exhibition and I would talk about it, I would cry almost every time. But after that, I would feel, I would feel very much alive 
and I would feel so much easy in all of my relationships, mm. in everything else that is going on through the day, how I get my coffee, if somebody messes something up, <laughs> somebody cuts me off, whatever it is, it doesn't, like nothing felt so important mm. because you go through that pain every single day mm. of seeing those mm. people who are hungry, who are dying, who are in war and so on. And so I feel like in that way art is such, and especially photographs, because there's so much more visceral Direct, again. Yeah. yeah, they have this, this ability to just look at it and you're like, oh, wait a minute, what am, what am I doing? Why am I so angry at this mm. random thing right mm. now? Mm. Yeah, put you into place, uh, whack you into place. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are so different, uh, different ways that, um, again, art can uh, manifest. And I feel like uh, there is a very strong current and there has been for for many decades for art to be very risky it has to be very edgy very new or mm. always have to push boundaries and there is different type of art let's say what Vincent Peter uh, Peter uh, mm. does or uh, or the early works of, of Nick Brandt which is just like art can also be just seeing something that is very traditional very uh, natural mm. and just trying to like show the gist of it or show the essence of it. Uh, do you see that art has to be a certain way or art that is a certain kind has like more uh, depth to it or more meaning to it or is more uh, important? Uh, if, if there's nothing about, photo if it's only beauty, uh, then if you if you buy something, for instance, and put it on your wall at home, and and uh, after two weeks you you stop interacting with it because there's nothing, there's no uh, no challenge or no uh, intellectual no energy in mm -hmm. it, then it has no interest for me. It's uh, it could be wallpaper instead. Yeah, it has to be some sort of a challenge or um, some sort of a dialogue between me and the, the piece. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, uh, It is said essential. that uh, if you have couples and uh, they don't argue enough, then they will break up. And mm -hmm. people think that they want to be in a relationship where they have no arguments, mm -hmm. but actually like if you, they did some study years ago where they would uh, like just record a, a couple having like the morning coffee or uh, their breakfast mm -hmm. and they could predict like very, very accurately uh, by how many disagreements they had, like how fast they would break up or mm -hmm. how long their uh, relationship would last. And it was something like if you had more than 12 small disagreements uh, like over the course of an hour or something like that, then you would break up very, very fast, very easily. Okay. <laughs> but if you would have like less than, I don't remember what the number was, but if you would have less than some number, then you would also do that. Mm. Because even, and there is yeah. like this sweet spot that you want to get along with the person, but you want them to be some sort of a challenge. You don't want to, like, because we mm. all want to grow some way. Yeah. We don't want to have some, like, excitement in our lives. Mm. And if it's just like, okay, I have no arguments with you, but, but you're just like a, like a blank wall, even yeah. no yeah. matter how beautiful you are, then it's like, uh, it's too boring for yeah. us. And it's, it's the, the same, same with, with art. art. Yeah. yeah. That brings me to the question, when you look at, like, something, uh, something that uh, Vincent Peters does or uh, the early works of Nick Brandt, which is beautiful, there is something more. 
what is it that we see there? Why, why aren't those works uh, boring for us? Well, with, uh, with Nick Brandt's work, there is early work, these beautiful portraits. Um, it's, it's something um, spiritual, maybe, that's going on. Because you feel that this, uh, for instance, let's see, let's take one of the lions, maybe. The lion that that he waited seventeen days in order to to uh, for it to be digesting its meal and waking up so he could photograph it. Um, it's so majestic and so uh, present in that frame, and and I think that's that's what does it. It's 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 something intangible that you can't uh, put, you can't uh, visual, uh, you can't, um, how do you say, you can't put express it in wor express with it. words, yeah. but, but there's something there. Do you feel there is many artists who try to imitate things like that? Oh yeah. Yeah? Oof. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do you meet, meet many of them? Um, like, as I have no <laughs> idea about your line of, uh, line of yeah. work. Like, do you have many people, because you mentioned uh, uh, Lena, Mm, uh, mm. Before, like, do you have many people like turning up to your like gallery or a studio and trying yeah. to? There's, there's uh, many emails every week with people who just send me an email with JPEGs and ask if I want to work with them. Do uh, you? Do you, how many of them do you open? Uh, not many. No, if I never met them before and this is their way of approaching me, um, no. Do you see like uh, mistakes or um, or ways that young artists approach uh, their art mm. that like there are common common mistakes that they make or, or things that uh, the, uh, again ways they think like oh this is the, if I want to become an artist or a respected artist this is what I have to do yeah. but you always see like this is going in the wrong direction. Well, there's, there's a lot of people who, who want to be arti become artists or who, who want to live of their art. Uh, and, and I think the first lesson or the first uh, thing that they should think of is to treat their art with the same respect as they want us to treat it. So don't send digital files if you want us to work with your mm. prints, for instance. Mm. I want to see the real, real deal. Um, and, 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 you know, the first impression is so important, so. Yeah, and if it's yeah. an email, then yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah. At least give me a phone call first and uh, ask for an appointment and we can sit down and uh, discuss it. Yeah. Are there any artists, and you don't have to mention any names, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, that you've uh, like seen <laughs> something in or that have been promising and then a few years later you're like oh it was just like they just got lucky with something mm. randomly but they don't it doesn't pan out in a in a productive way it happens yes yeah absolutely and also the intentions of the artists have to be so clean because there's so many uh, hidden or how do you say you can fall into different uh, pits. pits. Yeah. Uh, so if if their intention is not pure, uh, it can easily uh, go off rail, and, uh, and th that happens. Yeah. Do people come uh, for uh, to you for advice? 
whether it's like aspiring artists or the artists that you work with? Yes, uh, they do. And, and this is one of the most fulfilling parts of, the, of what I do is, is to be able to, to try to guide in, in some direction. Yeah, I enjoy that. What is the advice that you most often give to somebody? Um, <laughs> go go back, don't, uh, don't fail even, again, don't and fail try. better. No, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry. Oh no, no, I, I don't say that. But I, but I, but I ask them to to go back and and to fail again, but to fail better. It's Do you think uh, there is uh, like a common advice that is often <laughs> given that is false? Uh, what kind of common uh, advice? I don't know. I'm, I, because there is, because uh, in most areas <coughs> of life, there is u usually like people s say something like whatever it is, like just just work harder, don't think about it, yeah. or like don't like don't doesn't matter what anybody else says. It only matters what you feel. But it, and it's it's the type of advice that is it's correct if you're Van Gogh. Yeah. But it's not correct for 99% yeah. no, no, no. of people because the, the reason why we care about what others think is because others are the people who have to consume whatever mm. it is that mm. we create. Mm. And sometimes it does happen that there is somebody that nobody understands in their time and they turn up to be a genius. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. But oftentimes, like there are also for every Van Gogh, there's probably 10,000 people who do wow. something that is just ugly yeah. and boring and uninteresting <laughs> and whatever. And they think they're a genius, mm. but actually they should listen to other people and yeah. just do something different. Yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, if there's something I would say, maybe uh, keep your day job. Uh, don't, yeah. you know, <laughs> don't, don't go for your career as an artist as of yet. And wait for more confirmation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it but it's hard because there's so many. Uh, you have a person in front of you, and he has or she has. Is this is the dream, you know? And it's uh, it's, it's a big uh, big thing for them. Would you say that the people who are actually good? Would you say that? the way that they approach these things is that they come to you and they're like, I know, I am great, I'm supposed to be a big star, and if you just give me a chance, I'm mm. going to be amazing. Mm. How many of the people who are actually good uh, are like that? None. None, right? Mm. And then you have people who are like that, <laughs> who oftentimes have yeah. no talent whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the people I work with have that in common, that they are extremely humble and uh, and extremely hardworking you know it's it's uh, they get up early in the morning and they work all day many of them do not have children for instance they they chose not to in order to fulfill their career so it's they're sacrificing a lot in order to to do this yeah how long have you been in this uh, line of work it's i think it's 20 years 20 years. How did, you, how did you stumble upon it? Mm. Or did you stumble upon it? Or yeah. was it something that grabbed you and you just went with it? No, I used to be uh, in finance. So I used to work as a stockbroker for many years. Wow, that sounds like fun. Stock exchange. Let's yeah. talk the rest of the interview about that. <laughs> yeah. it, sounds, it sounds great. It was, it was fun, but uh, 
um, you know, uh, then life happened. I got married. I had two kids, two beautiful children, with only 18 months apart. And I, uh, my husband was also in finance, so we decided uh, that one of us had to step down. And I was traveling a lot with my work too, so I won. <laughs> and then I <coughs> wanted to do a workshop in photography, and that's where it started. <coughs> Sorry. So uh, after that, uh, there was no looking back. I. Uh, had a partner and we uh, made a dark room so we learned all the tricks and of the trade with uh, you know printing silver gelatin prints and uh, photographing but how did it happen like how how was it photography that you was it just did I it just happen yeah i we listened to there's a norwegian photographer called morten krogwell and he's an incredibly inspiring uh, lecturer. He does workshops. So you go to this place in the middle of nowhere uh, in Norway, uh, and you spend a week there with other people who are also want to learn photography. And he has, uh, you should go, actually. It's fantastic. He has uh, lessons in art history. You draw. There's uh, music. There's film. And then you get a, a mission or task for the week. So mm. you go out in this crazy little town called Vogo, and you photograph uh, people you meet, uh, and uh, and then you develop it in the darkroom, and you end the week with an exhibition. And I think for many people, not only me, but for many people who's been there, there's been over a thousand, ten thousand people to this workshop. It's been a life changer, you know, mm. you, you go out of there and you see the world in a different way. Yeah. And though that's, that's <coughs> very, very beautiful. And so this, this was like the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and for, for the past 20 years, has there been something that you've had to change your mind about, change your perceptions about within uh, the world of photography? Yeah, <laughs> let's see. I think it's, you know, I met with the, the founders of Fotografiska, it's about 12 years ago now, before they opened Fotografiska, isn't that about 12 years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when I, uh, you know, this whole idea of uh, inspiring a con more conscious world, the slogan that they always use, it's, After that, that was always my guideline. So, so uh, it, it, after that, it hasn't been uh, much uh, regrets. Maybe some bad decisions, uh, you know, with... Uh, uh, I had a gallery in Oslo. I uh, closed it down because we uh, were moving to Sweden to, do, uh, to, to uh, work more closely with Fotografiska. Um, maybe I should have kept that gallery. Now I'm pondering about should I open a new one in, in Stockholm? Probably I will, but it's like the world is changing very fast and we have to adapt all the time. And uh, when you look at decisions you made ba uh, back then with uh, today's time glasses, mm -hmm. it may, may look uh, like a, a very stupid idea what you did back then. 
But you have to take into perspective who you were at the time and why you made the choice. You know? That is a very good point. To, mm. to flip it around, mm. have you ever had a moment in your life or done something that uh, felt like a failure or a misjudgment at that time? But now looking back to it, you're like, oh, this is exactly what had to happen. And yeah. It, yeah, several of those. Can like you tell me a story about that? Like, um, We, we worked closely with Roger Ballin, you know his work, mm -hmm. yeah. So we did a big exhibition uh, at Fotografiska in Stockholm called Theatre of the Absurd. And uh, Roger, uh, he's a very, very in interesting and a nice man to be working with. Although his imagery is, seems at the first sight very dark mm -hmm. and disturbing. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and he insisted that we should, uh, or he suggested that we made an installation in the exhibition. Uh, so he wanted a room uh, decorated as kind of a bedroom or a one room flat with a bed, with a kitchen table, with uh, art on the walls and a person lying in the bed. <coughs> And then we went to this flea market and he wanted us to, uh, and he immediately, of course, he found a cat, a stuffed cat. And he always has animals in his, uh, in his artwork. So, so he, he said, this, this cat's name is now Sweetie, because it was in Stockholm, and, and it's going to come with me to the exhibition. And I'm going to take her back to South Africa with me after the exhibition. And then we discovered under, on the, there was a hidden zipper under the cat. And we open it, and inside the stomach of the cat, we find uh, its tail. Wow. A hidden tail. The real tail. The real tail. The cat with a secret tail. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And there were moments there when I was like, oh my God, should we really be doing, you know, just another day at the office, you're at a flea market, you find this cat, it's, it's, it's a bit crazy, no? And uh, yeah, and you <coughs> mentioned uh, the future before, and this is like mm -hmm. completely different topic, but uh, are uh, everything like where the art world is moving towards, like NFTs and everything mm. that is mm. happening online. Mm. Is that something that you also pay attention to? And is it something that, uh, and is it something that you, you feel like you also need to spend time uh, thinking about? It's, it's something that I'm registering that's happening around me <clears throat> and I need to understand it. I'm reading about it and I'm trying to, uh, to uh, to understand it, and it might have some some um, s um, give some direction for what we do in the future, for sure, of course. Uh, but but right now it seems very hyped uh, to me, uh, and I'm not part of that hype. Yes, I was talking to Joram Roth mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning of the year, mm. and uh, he said that. Uh, at least he feels like that art is it's supposed to be seen by many people at the same yeah. time. And there is something about museums and galleries. And uh, 
whatever places where people come to look at that it's it's something that we need like we can't just like everybody has their screen and we can look at amazing photos and that it, it, it's not the same thing it's mm. it's there is something communal about uh, admiring uh, things at the same time what do you think about that i totally agree i think uh, and also viewing things on a computer screen for instance as you mentioned it's like going to museums seeing the work as it's supposed to be seen uh, on the wall framed behind glass there's nothing that can compare with that um, th that feeling when you encounter a work like on Instagram come on it's it's uh, yeah yeah Nick uh, Nick brought up a very good point when he was here uh, and I had never thought about that before and he said that everything looks good when it's backlit on a computer screen mm -hmm. and it's yeah, such it's a great point and I had never thought about that before mm -hmm. that if you anything that is back backlit it looks a lot better than it is when it's actually mm -hmm. like on a wall somewhere yeah. and it's very hard to judge the quality of something if like all the conditions are right for yeah. it to shine but actually like if you would like take it out from there it, it wouldn't have that, uh, it wouldn't feel, it's almost like cheating you mm. into thinking yeah. that something is good, whether, uh, even though it's actually not. Uh, we do have a few more minutes left, so I'm going to ask you a couple uh, last questions. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, we touched upon that already uh, before, which is one of the slogans of Fotografiska, which is inspiring a more conscious world. What for you inspires a more conscious world, like in your daily life or in in general mm. and uh, what would you say to other people what is the best way to inspire or see a more conscious world mm. uh, for me it's i always start my mornings with with a walk or a run in in uh, nature uh, and that's that gives me energy throughout the day it's it's uh, an important routine i guess and I think the connection with nature is, I mean, I'm from Norway, so, so <laughs> it makes sense, but, but, but P, uh, that's an important part. Um, and then I, I had a new resolution the other day, because I always do that, uh, that I should every day do something that inspired me. So either if it's watching a good film or going to a museum, going to a gallery, listening to music, or reading poetry or a good book done every day, just uh, something, so that your mind can uh, process something else than Excel sheets or uh, yeah, PDFs. If you would go back 20 years when you started this uh, journey, uh, or not go back, but you could go back to yourself 20 years ago. Mm. What advice would you give to yourself? <laughs> Good question. What would you do? What would you what say? What would I to say to you? I, I have no idea. <laughs> no, to I, yourself. I, to myself 20 years <laughs> ago? Well, 20 years ago, I was very, very young. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, Keep on, keep on being a child, you grow up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, I, I, wouldn't, I would give myself no advice. Keep on doing what you're doing, you're I a think, child. Just I think when child. I look back now, I think, you know, all the con it's all about connections with people. That you, you build a relationship and, and it grows based on trust. And 
a mutual um, like you're uh, you're working together for the same uh, same uh, goal and i think there's nothing i i would have I think that was the right thing. Yeah. You have children, right? Yeah. Yeah. And is there something that you're, you are trying or have tried to give them advice on that they're not willing to listen? <laughs> yeah. Or you wish that they would? They are children or my, my children, yeah. There's, uh, no, they're good. They, they are studying hard and... Uh, living their lives and I'm trying not to interfere too much even though they might disagree with that um, uh, yeah no I, I don't know what to say uh, if they have sorry what was the question again uh, I'm getting you, tired you, uh, no that that is okay <laughs> we're, we're just finishing so is, if there is anything that you would like uh, your children to uh, take your advice on mm. that they're not mm. maybe get off the computer and uh, into real life more okay that's and uh, and you, if you think about uh, that's the last question mm. now about yourself the same, same age that they are right now what would you yeah. say to yourself if I was the same age as they are now what would I say to them? I would say, don't, don't pay so much attention to details that don't really matter. If it's 80% good, maybe that's good enough. That's a very beautiful thing to end on. Ellen K. Willis, thank you very, very much for coming and thank talking you. to me. Thank you. Thank you. Suuraita ja järgmise korrani.